Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. An episode 103 from Panoramic Outdoors. I'm Sheldon Grant, and welcome back. This is another great episode. This one's going to be called our Whitetail Wound, wound Up, our Whitetail Roundup. So it's our 2021 uh, roundup of what we did hunting between me, Chase, and Tristan. Although Tristan couldn't make it tonight, Chase and I are going to take the reins on this one. Um, but before we get started, I'd like to say a huge shout out and thank you to Pit Barrel Barbecues. If you haven't listened to one of our podcasts, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but if you have listened... You've probably heard this a few times, but we're in love with Pit Barrel Barbecues. They're an upright barrel smoking system that uses charcoal, briquettes, uh, whatever you use. Sometimes we even throw in a little piece of wood to get that little extra smoke. But we use everything, uh, or sorry, we cook everything on the barbecue uh, from wild meats to domestic meats, fruits, vegetables, desserts, dips, anything you want. So if you want to get into what we're using, go to pitbarrelcooker.com. There's free shipping in the United States and in Canada. You can find a map on their website that shows you all the places where it's for sale. So thanks again to Pitbrow Cooker for supporting us through our travels. Sitting across from me, not in person, but virtually is Chase Drylick. Chase, what's uh, what's new in your hood? Hey man, it's uh, the the time in, in life right now where it's a, the strange transition from um, hunting season, which is like a huge commitment for me in my life, to uh, no hunting season, which is now strange you know it is strange and it's almost like oh it's over it's like it's like it reminds me of like when i used to play hockey a lot like minor hockey and stuff of that and mm-hmm. like you get to your last game you're like fuck it's over like now what am i gonna do yeah you know i know i got the i, I got this like this thought in my head that we could like make a video and essentially have the same storyline as like uh have you ever watched the movie friday night lights have i watched it of course (laughs) so it would be like that but with hunting season you know where you get all pumped up and then it's the rut and you're in it and then at the end of the season you're pulling the names off the board and you're wrapping everything up (laughs) and getting ready for next year and uh we're all all jumping in our pickups in the parking lot yeah 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 so uh with with that in mind i i'm kind of like my mindset shifts to like yeah, I'm done, but what do I need to start doing for next year? What's on my wish list kind of thing? And and uh, I know uh, there's a bunch of stuff over at Heights that I've been peeping on, and I, I got uh, the 2020 Archery Elk draw in mind, and I know they have the new Phelps bugle tubes there that I've been eyeing up for a while, and I want one of them. Um, but I'm curious, what, what are you thinking for next year? Is, is there anything that uh, you're thinking about having – like this year, you're like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get that for next year. Well, a shooting sticks, um, and that'll be a story. Maybe I'll tell you in a little bit. That's one thing for sure. Um, another thing that, well, just if you're from Manitoba, like we can still chicken hunt, right? For I think until middle December. Yeah. And ice fishing just around the corner. So, um, yeah, like for chicken hunting, like I've. I've always wanted to get um, like kind of like a chicken gun, you know, something like that. But I'm not too sure what I'd actually get. But that's one thing that's probably on my bucket list. Like a shotgun up. or or a... yeah, a shotgun. Like yeah, just, I don't know, I don't know yet, but something nice. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Heights has, uh, you know, traditionally they've been recognized as a archery shop, which 
I mean, they still are a awesome archery shop and I get all my archery equipment and, and uh, tuning done there. Um, but they've also got a huge firearm selection too, right? So we're rolling into Christmas here. Maybe if you're listening to this or, you know, you're, you're the outdoorsman wanting something, drop a little nudge at the uh, significant other. Go ahead to, over to the local shop, Heights Outdoors. They got it all. Firearms, hunting gear, archery equipment, calls, scents, um, you know, ammunition, reloading stuff. They're fully stocked outdoor store. I'm going to butt in there, Chase, quickly, and I'm just going to say um, great online store as well. Great online presence as in you can get everything online. But correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are looking for a certain type of shotgun for chicken season or whatever, you can talk to them and they may be able to get it in too if they don't have it. Is that right? That uh, I'm sure they would they would be able to give it a shot for sure. I know I know we've we special ordered a bit of stuff through them, and uh, they were certainly open to helping us out in whatever way they can. So, like I said, you get that small town shop experience, and um, yeah, it's just like heading over to like a family function when you get over there, just less dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, some other news in the province too, and. If uh, anybody is listening from Manitoba and has been sitting in the tree stand the entire time and not watching the news, there has been a case of CWD um, detected in Manitoba. We did a podcast episode, our last one, I think it was November 10th. Hey, with, uh, yeah, it was November 10th. We did a CWD podcast there with um, Doug Dern. Check that one out if if you want to get a little bit more information on it. But there's some more information coming down the pipe on what they've done or what they're planning on doing. Hey, do you know much about that? Yeah, I know a little bit. They're they're, uh, obviously implementing a bit of a, they've opened up another hunting season for Area 22 for landowners and and, uh, local indigenous communities. And I heard a lot of people kind of, you know, like, well, why didn't you open up for everybody? Da, 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 da. We'd all like to hunt it. And my thinking behind it, we haven't, we haven't talked uh, to any government officials about this, but, but I'm thinking like, you know, CWD is very, once it gets somewhere, it's there. So my thought is like, you know, if, if you get a CWD animal, let's, let's say, let's say I went and got a CWD animal or I shot a deer, I brought it back here test a test positive for cwd now what am i going to do with it right i'm going to take it to my local landfill or take it to the back 40 and throw it out here and that's then that's you know there's going to be cwd here now kind of thing right so i think i think in my mind that's the reduction in just the spread of infected animals and uh kind of maintaining that exposure area to that part of the province yeah absolutely and like there's we had the same argument in our deer camp is like the hell are they doing this and that and this and that for but it's just like you know they had to do something and a lot of people are mad that they closed the season down there for a temporary closure but they had to kind of get their ducks in their own by what i read like they did some animal counts they kind of figured out what they needed to to put out there for like let's say tags so they can try to manage numbers and when we talked to doug dern they've had cwd in wisconsin for 20 plus years and he even said like calling all the deer isn't the answer he just mm-hmm. That doesn't work. So um, I'm sure, or I'm well. He's. Our... I'll, I'll correct you there. He did say that you can you can get away with an initial call, and it has worked in the past in in certain areas. True. But yeah. after that, you get like the one shot. After that, if it doesn't work, it's life with CWD kind of thing. It's just more of a population management strategy, and just you know, where's the balance there? Yeah, exactly. And so. 
back to what I was my like the point I was trying to make is if you do call the deer or whatever it is, then how many years like it might yeah disappear for a little bit, but then how many years does it take to regrow that that population right mm-hmm. and uh, and then it could be no deer hunting for a long time. So if you can just manage it and manage your herds and then and then manage your hunting, um, you can kind of live with it. Or, in my mind from everything i've heard and and not only that but like we've like i said we had these arguments at deer camp and like over a few whiskeys and there's you know some heated conversations but at the end of the day if we think that our you know conservation or our government didn't talk to all these other jurisdictions uh jurisdictions that have had cwd and found out what their you know ideas of what they implemented was the best then i mean you should maybe just have another whiskey and go to bed then if you don't think <laughs> that they've done that but <laughs> yeah but, it, it's crazy it's crazy to think about but it's here so yeah yeah it it was uh it's almost inevitable you know it's one of those things that there's no cure for right now no fix besides population management pretty much so it's uh it's a tough one but yeah. it's not the, it's not the end of the world it's not the end of deer populations as we see it so far so i know yeah, i know sure. down in wisconsin there there it seems like their deer populations are might, might be a while they're I mean, we do have some pretty good deer populations right now in the province, but I, I know Doug was saying where they thinking about 160 to 120 deer per acre on average down there. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty Ooh. extensive. It's a lot of deer. Yeah. Um, well, moving on, I got some news I want to share with everyone before we get to the bigger part of the podcast of our whitetail roundup. I have a trouble saying roundup. I keep on wanting to say wound up. You wascally wabbit. I know. Hey, it's one of those <laughs> days. Um, but our stories, um, I know we've had some emails and texts and messages saying our store were out of stock and some things. It's that time of the year. If, um, I, I will apologize. We don't, we're not fully stocked and everything. We tried. Uh, and thank you to everybody that's bought um, bought some merch from us because it's fine off the shelves. Damn, some still, people, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> if, if, if you're still looking to maybe get something before Christmas, I would like get it done today. This airs December 1st or december 2nd you got to get it in because then we can get it shipped out to you hopefully before christmas um but if if it's not a christmas gift and you don't mind getting it after the christmas holidays i mean still make that order because everything's been back ordered everything's been taking forever to get in uh it's taken a very long time another big announcement i want to make um before we get going too is that in the i think december 13th we're going to do a big giveaway and we're going to team up with uh, Catch and Cook with Josh and Jay. And we're also going to team up with Leatherman. And we're going to do a big giveaway. And all you all you got to do for this giveaway is basically um, send us in some pictures of your harvest. Tag us in some pictures. And you'll be entered into this this giveaway. And we'll uh, select a winner. But uh, Chase, you got some news about Leatherman too, hey? Yeah, we got, uh, we got some pretty awesome Leatherman tools to give away here. And um, I don't know if you've – I know – well, I know you have, but people listening – if you haven't checked out what Leatherman's coming out with lately, you definitely want to head over to their page, head over to their website, and, and check it out. They, they're coming out with uh, some really, really cool um, knives, tools, and just, like, they're, they're finding out different ways to get one of their tools in your pocket besides the, their, you know, their standard foldable tool which is super cool. They they have like stuff that is that is geared towards every facet of life pretty much. So yeah. um if you want to check some of those out, head over to the site but we're, we're going to be uh, showcasing some of that on our uh on our Instagram as well. So pay attention there. We got some cool stuff to share and 
I think it's uh, leathermancanada.ca if you want to check them out, right? Yeah, that's right. And the other thing I'm just going to add on to that too as well is the thing that I like about Leatherman and I've always liked about Leatherman is, okay, first of all, when I was little, I used to like be very fascinated with like Swiss army knives and they had all these little gadgets on them. But in reality, they're not practical and they and it would really wouldn't really help you out but it seems like leatherman say in the last couple of years they've put the tools in there that you would most likely use instead of like a toothpick you know what i mean like there's actually tools on there you're going to use i like my leatherman when i go fishing and stuff i use it like that's the only tool i use when i go fishing mm-hmm. and then when i'm hunting and stuff it's in my uh in my bino pouch just in case i need something i didn't use it much this this uh deer hunting season but you always seem to find a use for it if you need like if you need it clearly obviously yeah clearly obviously (laughs) it's funny too because uh sometimes i get like i remember getting my my leatherman and i did a little piece for for leatherman on the surge which was my first one that i ever got my parents bought me and it came with like uh, a bunch of screwdriver bits and I was yeah. like, oh man, what am I going to do with this? I was like, now I got to toss this in my backpack or am I ever going to use this? Turns out I use them all the time. <laughs> I used it the <laughs> other day. I got a piece of my camera equipment fell apart. I had to put it back together. So it's, it's kind of funny how they, they kind of, they got to figure it out, man. Like you said, they, they, they have pieces in there that is, if you don't find a knife that, you know, you can't use almost every tool on there in, in like your life, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Moving on. Um, let's get into this. I, I really want to talk about our deer hunting seasons. I don't have, really have much to talk about, as you know, and anybody else that's been listening. I was kind of gone for a like 50% of my season. Uh, I was gone away from work. So how I'm going to do this is I'm going to probably ask Chase a bunch of questions, and I'm also going to tell a few stories. So buckle in, and let's get started. Sounds Chase, good, man. When did, when did you so do you if you could think back do you remember your first day you got out hunting oh man do i remember like it the must first have been end of august there. right yeah it wasn't i didn't get out for opening day um i remember that uh, i think it was a weekend after and shoot i can't remember my first sit because we had some stuff set up i set up a couple blinds and uh i think i sat in one of my tree stands and and uh yeah <laughs> so let's just say let's just say early september but like getting into the deer hunting season like you hunt archery primarily and then get into maybe some rifle at the end of the year but what was your goal this year i know watching your instagram and stuff like that you had your kids out there uh you had your father out there at times you had your brother with you like what was your goal this year because in my mind it, it lo- almost looked like it was just totally family oriented this year it was definitely family a family heavy year um you know uh, the wife was back at work and I was, I still want to hunt hard. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Kids, kids are, uh, kind of at that age where they could tag along with me. They're, they're, uh, a bit of a, you know, tornado in the, in the ground blind. But, uh, we got that huge ass blind from Heights, that Baronet Big Cat 350. And that thing is awesome, man. And, uh, it's, it was awesome for bringing the kids out too, cause they had enough room to, uh, burn off a little bit of energy and be crazy like kids are and it still gave me enough room to i'm a i'm a big guy like tall lanky and i got a 32 and a half inch draw length still gave me enough room to come to full draw a couple times in there with the kids in there safely 
and didn't have to worry about somebody losing a limb or a finger or something like that, you know? Okay, so I'm going to stop you there. So when you get out there with your kids in that blind and, yeah, you've got a big draw length, do you guys kind of, like, do you kind of go over with them, like, this is what's going to happen when dad draws his bow, you got to stand here and here and you can't, like, or, like, do you go over that or how does that work? Um, You know, they're the kids are pretty keyed up when they're in there. So when when uh when dad gets keyed up on on a deer it's like they go from their really their monster truck zone to like okay there's a deer this is what we came here for and they're just they're kind of zoned in on it but they're still kind of being a little goofy and then when the deer starts like getting to an area where i think okay i think i'm gonna have to take a shot here right away or i think i'm gonna have a shot i would kind of give give them the all right guys get over here um, I need this room. And then when they see me pick up the bow, it's like, it's like business time. They know it's business time. Cause they, they've shot bow with me lots. I'd have them out in the yard, back at a old place almost every day, shooting archery and stuff like that. And, and Dex got his bow that he shoots. So, um, they know it's go time when dad grabs a bow and they kind of <laughs> sit off to the side and, and, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get one with them this year and, and I, I fully would have been down for just, uh, dropping just about anything, but um unfortunately i didn't have the the shot the ground blind we had set up in a spot where um last year was just covered up in deer and uh we didn't do you know the the crops changed a little bit and it was just kind of let's get this thing set up here and i just wanted a spot to take the kids out hunting and i didn't really put in the preseason work that i did the year previous as well and uh kind of bit me in the butt on that end but uh still had almost you know two opportunities to let arrows fly on some deer but just didn't go down the way i wanted it yeah. to there and i'm just gonna go back to your kids one more time but was it ever cross your mind like maybe they're too young to be in the blind yet like you know if there was that kill shot that happened like were you kind of thinking about that or never really crossed your mind it, it did a little bit um it definitely did but there's a couple moments where it's like <laughs> I was ready to draw back and uh my oldest who's who's obviously a lot more uh in tune to things than my youngest is and he was giving me the shoot him dad shoot him shoot him kind of thing <laughs> tell me to get him so um which is good in my mind um and I I didn't get that the shot obviously in the moment to have that teaching moment with them you know this is what's going on and this is how we're going to respect this animal kind of thing. And just, even though they might not understand things fully, I think it's still just an important piece to, to throw in there. But yeah, I think, I, I think I've talked about enough, watched enough hunting shows and, uh, you know, over the years have been introducing them to, you know, deer butchering and deer hanging in the garage and, and all that. And they're, they're kind of, it was like a bit of a soft introduction, you know, not the, not the full on, I don't know, the, the, the full on experience, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're at a good spot and I, I hope they want to come out again next year. Yeah. That'd be super, super cool if they're, you know, this time or not this time next year, but come August next year when they know you're practicing heavy and stuff that they want to get back out in that blind. That's, that'd be a pretty cool feeling. And I know, uh, you came out into my neck of the woods for a few days and, you know, we were having a beer and 
and you're telling me like, yeah, it's like deck was mad at me. Cause I couldn't, cause he couldn't come hunting with me or one of your kids or anyways. Yeah. And it's just like, it almost like, I don't know, for me, it's like just a super sensitive thing. Like I just remember when I was young and I was pissed off, I couldn't go hunting all the time. Right. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Like the, the whole kid aspect and, and everything like that. And is just super cool in my mind. And, um, but yeah, good, good on you. Um, but so carrying on in the season, so you had a couple tags, you had a doe tag and a buck tag. Yeah. So did you fill your doe tag? Yeah. So, uh, well, the archery area that we hunt in, you're actually, there's actually three tags available there. And, uh, one night I'd, I'd set up a new stand and hunted it a couple times and right at dark, I had, uh, a couple animals come through and I arrowed one. It was like two minutes left, the legal light kind of thing. So super didn't get anything on video because it was just too crappy. And then, um, yeah, then my phone was like pretty much dead by the time I found the animal. <laughs> and then, uh, then yeah, but yeah, I was pretty pumped. Cause that's, that's the first, first animal that I got with the, uh, with the, with the Matthews from heights and uh it was a good feeling i I, there was a couple big bucks that were chasing around there but um that didn't pan out with uh with archery equipment so um i'm happy to just to connect and put some meat in the freezer yeah um that's the same like same with me i i got my doe when you're out um hunting out of that baronet blind like bear bear should just give us a bunch of money because it's all we talk about in our podcast lately but um but yeah same like same thing that you're saying lots of room in that thing i had uh, the crossbow in there um i shot my doe i think she was about 40 yards 35 yards and right in the engine room and it didn't go i don't know 60 yards it died before it hit the bush and mm-hmm. um man that meat though holy crap it was it good like because that was when would that be that'd be you know late october yeah, it's like right so it's the pre rut kind of thing. Yeah, like it was getting some good fat on it. Um, a, a nice healthy doe. It wasn't a huge doe by any means, but it was just a good healthy animal. So I was super pumped about that. Um, but then my uh, fast forward into my buck story. I'm going to tell my buck story right now because yeah. if I don't, I'm going to kind of forget pieces of it. And it was been kind of floating around in my head for a few days. Have I told you the whole story or no? I've I've heard well I've heard a story I don't know if it's the whole yeah. one or if it's a condensed one so let it rip man <laughs> yeah so I got um, into rifle hunting and same spot as I shot my doe I sat in that blind but so how I get there is I got a snowmobile for a bit and then I walk for for a little bit to my blind so I'm snowmobiling there's we got a bunch of snow where we hunt so I'm snowmobiling across the field and I'm going to park in this bluff that's quite a ways away. And I look to where my blind is, and there's this freaking gorgeous buck standing there, like maybe a hundred yards away from my blind. So I stop my sled. I'm like, what did I say, six, seven hundred yards, eight hundred yards away, and I could see the buck with like my like with my blind eyes, kind of thing. If that if that makes sense, like just naked, naked eyes, naked eyes, not blind eyes. <laughs> Might as well be blind eyes. With your with your correction out. lenses on though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I stop my slide, I turn it off, grab my binoculars, and I look, oh, my God, that's a nice deer, you know? So there were, we had a bunch of family out hunting as well, some cousins and, and stuff like that. So I phoned, everyone is still back at the yard, so I phoned them, and I said, when you guys come out here, like, don't come this way, go around or go any other way, just leave this bush alone because I'm going to go sit near it. So everyone's like, okay, yeah, sounds good. 
So anyways, I'm, I go and get set up in the blind and, and sure as shit, like 15 minutes later, I look up and there's this buck walking down the trail towards me. Not the same buck, but a nice buck. And it was a four by four, nice, dark, thick horns. Like, I don't know, like maybe a 130, 140 somewhere. It'd be tough 140, but like around a 130. And he's coming down, walking down the trail. And I'm like, oh, frig, like this is a good buck, right? Mm-hmm. So I got down on my knees and I got my rifle rested on the blind and he's walking it towards me and I was going to take that front shot. It was about 120 yards. And then right when I was right before I was going to pull the trigger, he turned and started walking kind of horizontally to my blind. Um, so now I'm like, okay. So I'm like, kind of like leaning out the wind, like leaning out the blind window kind of thing, like trying to get the angle. And now I lost it. So I got to get up and go to the next window, <laughs> which is, which is like shitty. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what I would fix after, but anyways, so I, so I bring my gun back in out the next window and he's walking and I get him lined up perfectly. And then he's like walking into like a, like a little knoll or whatever in the field. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, it's like almost like he's walking downstairs. Like you can just <laughs> see his back disappearing. So I'm like, fuck, you know, like, so now I got to stand up and go to the next window and I get into the next window. And, and by this time he's kind of like, is getting nervous. Like he could tell something's moving around in this blind. <laughs> so he's kind of nervous. And then he, kind of runs a few yards and then stops and kind of grunted him and he turns around. So now he's facing back to the bush. Mm-hmm. So where I was originally, I had to like move it and I pulled the trigger and I shot over its back Oof. and I was just like instant heartache. Cause I, cause I'm with this gun, I'm good with it. And it was like, I bet you it was 110 yards. Like I just yeah. totally fucked up like hundred percent my fault. Like there's no one I was like standing freehand. Like I just, and I don't shoot enough like that. And anyways, I can make a million excuses. Yeah. He turns and starts running. So jamming another shell, boom, miss, jam another shell, boom, miss. And I miss him and he's hopping to the bush, fucking wagging his tail at me like na 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 na. Yeah. So now I'm super pissed off. So I sit back down in my chair, dig around my pockets and I reload everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of, you know, I'm going to say out of breath by any means. Like it's not like I ran like a mile, but I was just like wound you up, know, just wound up. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word for it. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, you know, the next deer that walks out of this bush, I'm shooting it. Right. <laughs> I have, I have another tag. I don't care what it is. I'm shooting it. Cause like, I was mad and I'm like, I just want to be done, you know? Yeah. So anyways, I'm sitting there and uh, just, just for not- clarity, you, you did put in like, once you got home from work, and uh missed half your season you you hunted pretty damn hard once you got home yeah like i put in probably i don't i don't know even know but yeah i I did hunt quite a bit like uh every weekend obviously and anytime i could during the week if i could take some time off i took a few days here and there yeah um but this was actually the start of my week off so i had 11 what i have seven eight nine ten i had nine days to hunt straight so this was just the start of it um but yeah so i sitting there and sure shit 15 minutes later another buck comes out from the other end of the bush comes walking right down the different trail because there's these like there's about three trails that come out of this bush right to me you know 50 yards (laughs) like i could have shot him with my with my crossbow i could have shot him with my my white my like my bow my archery bow um but yeah shot made a good shot he went you know 15 yards and and expired and uh happy days but the thing that sucked about it there's a few things i'm going to go with here is that i shot it early in the night and my dad was hunting the same field on a different 
like spot kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I could get out there and I could have took some really wicked pictures with the sun going down and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it would have been just perfect, but I, I didn't want to get out in the field because dad was still hunting. So, you know, I just left them and waited till dark and then, then yeah, got yeah. them. So kind of disappointed. I didn't get some really good pictures with them. Like he wasn't big. He was a five by four, but he wasn't that big. It's just a nice, a nice buck, buck, man. It's a nice buck. Yeah. It's, it was, it was decent. Um, but a couple of things that I will take out of that, um, story and my experience there is the shooting sticks. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I want to get a pair of shooting sticks because when you have a blind that big, like the baronet blind, you can sit back with those shooting sticks and then you could basically, if you have to switch windows, you don't have to bring your gun in and out. Just pivot. You know what I mean? Like just pivot right in the blind yeah. and having those shooting sticks. I mean, if anyone's used them before, you know, that the they're worth the price in gold. Like it'll make your shot that much better. So um, a couple other things while we're talking about hunting and sitting a lot of times this year, I got super um, two things that, that happened. I got super sweated up and then, then cold and then warm again. And the reason why that happens is because I was wearing some of the best Merino wool ever on the market from wool of, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to pay a few bills here for panoramic outdoors and talk about Merino wool because Wool Love has Merino wool. I'm going to say that a million times probably, but it's one of the best things that I've been putting on my body while I've been hunting this year. Um, it's a base layer system. It's underwear, long sleeve shirts. They've got t-shirts, golf shirts. They got a lot of different stuff, but they actually came out with a sister company called North Wool. And if you don't know what North Wool is, let me tell you. North Wool is basically it builds on all the advantages of the Merino wool that wool love uses, except for it's a little bit heavier. So it's a wool base layer. Um, and it adds flexibility and durability to like a spandex type of material. So what it does is it creates premium mid layer that will keep you warm and comfortable and obviously odor free. If you noticed uh, in any of our other ad reads with wool love, they've got, what is it called chase? Antimicrobial. Yeah. So which keeps you, to, like, it doesn't make you stink. I wore my uh, long sleeve shirt. I think for like five days in a row, smelled good when I put it on the fifth day too. But Northwell performs best as a mid layer, and it also performs well in those cold days as a base layer or as even a second layer. Um, so, anyways, Wool Love has two other garments now from Northwell, which is their sister company. They got a men's uh, quarter zip up, and they also have a woman a woman's leggings. So, if you know what like Lulu leggings are and stuff like that, it's kind of very similar. So. If you're a woman out there that does a lot of hiking, hunting, or whatever, this might be right up your alley. So they're high-waisted, so you don't have extra exposure to catch an unwanted chill. Uh, It has hidden pockets, so you can have your keys or credit card. And it says it has a gusset to prevent unwanted bunching, which I don't know what that means, but maybe that's a good thing for the women. And as always, the products are backed by Woolove and Northwell. So you never have to hesitate. Reach out, talk to them. They'll answer any questions. You can reach out to us. And for this month we're going to use a promo called promo code panoramic 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase so this is available on amazon.ca or through wool love or wool.love www.wool.love so just look for the north wool project promo code only valid on wool.love site so thanks a lot to wool love north wool for all your uh, support you guys helped us stay warm this uh this hunting season Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was an ad read. I feel like I'm biz nasty on spitting chicklets. I can't get them get through without fumbling through it. I uh, but yes, it's funny because I I had like some uh, some PTSD out in the deer woods uh, this year in the rifle season where I was doing some walking. Obviously, the, the snow was pretty deep. I, it was about a foot deep where we were rifle hunting, 
and uh, still still enough deep enough to to build up a bit of a sweat if you want to walk anywhere. And uh, the one day Tristan and I went out, it was super windy, super cold, and I just remember sitting there being like, "I'm sweaty," and I'm like, "All right, here comes the cold. I'm gonna freeze my ass off now." I had the wool love on, and it just like transitioned right through that phase, and I didn't even notice. I wasn't even didn't even get cold at all by the time I got dry. So it's 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 unbelievable how it works. Yeah. Speaking of that cold, and kind of back to the the story here. So after I shot that that deer um my cousin got one the next day and then it got there's like a super cold snap and then it got warm for a day and it almost was almost like the, the deer shut down for two or three days like i don't even think i've seen a buck for two two days hmm. like, did you see the same kind of thing over in your end or did you or were you out at that time um we were out i believe if you're talking about the same same time and uh that would have been the end of the la- well, kind of the start of the last, the final week got warm there, and uh, that's when I ended up shooting my my monster spiker. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so I, I'll I'll go there and then I'll loop back to the start of the rifle season. But um, yeah, so Tr- Tristan and I kind of went out for one last hurrah there, and uh, we went to a new area that there was a ton of sign in and uh you know we got there early this and that and and uh i'd I'd gotten into this spot and i could i seen a couple deer through the willows i was just hunting on the ground and i i made an adjustment it was super warm day super calm and uh and then the spiker was like coming through the trees and he was kind of joss then he bedded about 150 yards away from me and i was like all right well at least he's there. That's like my guarantee, right? I'm thinking he's he's money in the bank, meat in the freezer. Hopefully something bigger comes by. <laughs> but I, I sat there with uh, with my eyes on him for about an hour and he eventually got up. And then uh, he ended up mixing it up with another little spiker for about 10 minutes, jostling with him. And uh, once they broke it up, he came out of the bush, just perfect broadside at like 150 yards. And and uh, I let it rip, and he went about 20 yards and piled up and, and uh, yeah, took him home, meat in the freezer. So, un- unfortunately, I didn't get a big buck this year. It's kind of disappointing. I did miss one, um, and I'll circle back around to that in a bit. But at the start of the season here, at the rifle season was a freaking ride, man. Let me tell you. Um, well, yeah, I want you to tell me. I want you to. Are you, I, I don't know if you're going to go this direction or not, but I kind of want to talk about uh, Duck Mountains. Yeah. Is that where going to start? Because, like, the pictures there, man, like, insane amount of snow. It was nuts. Okay. So this is how it went down. Everybody went to camp besides me and Tristan. Everybody headed up, like, f- to be out there for opening day, pretty much me and Tristan, another fella. And uh, they get out opening day and they're just sending us messages like deer all over, the most deer we've ever seen here. And bucks were hitting the dirt left, right, and center. And uh, <laughs> so we're like, wow, this is awesome. And then you know how, how it rolls into rifle season, right? I love it when you get a little bit of snow on the ground. It usually gets the deer fired up, um, makes tracking easier, you know, it's it's just, it's usually beneficial when a little bit of snow flies. You know, you can see them easier. 
But uh, I drove up during the snowstorm. Tristan got up there the morning before me, I think, or the evening before me, and he didn't have any luck. And I drove up in that storm right at the start of it, and thank goodness I did because what a doozy it turned out to be. You know, they usually when they estimate like that heavy amount of snow, it's either it's hit or miss usually if it's going to show up sometimes. Well, yeah, anyone can be a weatherman. Yeah. Or weather lady. But we got every bit of that snow that was forecasted, man. We got like like two feet of snow. We were camped out in that uh, canvas camp tent. And, uh, man, it, w- it was pretty wild. We couldn't really go anywhere. It was like the snow was kind of fluffy, which was nice, so we could, like, get the trucks through it. And so we made a bunch of paths around camp and just to just to be able to get to our like our our shooting spots like our our we had a couple shooting shacks there just to be able to get to them and then uh getting down the road was a disaster you know um one buddy went out the one day he got stuck a bunch of times and we spent like half the day just pulling each other out of the snow drifts pretty much and then uh and then i was like so usually normally i go to this camp and i don't even hunt in camp i i go up into the hills and uh that's where i have most of my success i got a little spot tucked away there that i haven't seen anybody else hunting and i normally see a lot of deer in there and i do pretty well and uh and this year i so i I figured like by by my second day in there i was like okay well i gotta get out of here i gotta go check out see if i can get in there see what it's like i get up there there's one lane plowed up to my up to my spot in the hills and uh i get out of the truck and I get all geared up. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll take it easy. I'll get in there and uh, see what happens. And I get into the ditch and the, the snow is like literally up to my belt in the ditch. And I was like, well, maybe it'll be better in the bush. I get up into the bush and the snow is over top of my knees. And I, I take, I walked about a hundred yards in there and I'm just sweating and I'm not in the best shape this year. <laughs> and, and uh, out of breath, I'm like, you know what? It's not happening, man. It's not happening. So spun out of there, headed back to camp and just hunted in camp for the rest of the the rest of our stay. And uh ended up seeing one small doe that I could have taken a poke at at like three hundred yards and I was like, it's not worth it. Not worth it for me. Yeah. But we did have a horse come into camp, which was kind of cool. <laughs> I seen that. <laughs> um and I got a couple questions about your guys' camp, and I kind of understand the situation. But circling back to the to the citizen canvas tent, how did that hold up with all that snowfall? Um, and what did you think overall, like for the use of that tent? Um, well, I'm gonna throw Tristan under the bus here a little bit because it, it was the first time that he's he's set that tent up, and I'm pretty sure he did it in the dark, and. Uh, <clears throat> It really wasn't set up correctly. He had like the <laughs> the little tent pegs on the outer guys. So oh, really? yeah, so a couple of them kind of wiggle, wiggled loose when uh, the heavy snow hit. But um, we got her all rearranged and strapped in, and it was it was awesome, man. It was it was uh, it's almost like a mini fortress in there once you get it set up correctly. Held up really well. Um, How many days did you guys spend in there? I th- four. Like four nights, four nights, yeah. And what was it like, like with because by those pictures, look like there's quite a bit of snow up and around, like the base of the tent. Did that create some insulation for you guys? Like, was it fairly cozy or what? 
Yeah, I think it, it probably insulated a little bit more than it normally was, but uh, yeah, we were good. It wasn't uh, terribly cold, and we always had a fire rolling in there and some warm sleeping bags, and it was it was good, man. We were comfortable in there for sure. Nice. The only thing, the only other thing I would be worried about is that floor in it. Like it must have been pretty wet, eh? Yeah, we were. I mean, we were tracking snow in there, right? So there was yeah. there was a couple couple wet spots which was which was fine is manageable because you know it was always warm in there and you just kind of lap it up a little bit and that's if you're going out in those conditions that's just something to think about that you just got to bring like uh whether it's a sponge or a towel or something with you just to just to clean it up a bit if you want to keep your socks dry and stuff yeah for sure and then how did all the other boys make out at camp so did you guys get any deer there or was it pretty slow after that after the snow rolled in that was it man that was the only deer we seen was that one doe i'm pretty sure tristan might have seen one of a tree stand there but uh yeah that was it the deer completely shut down after that which was unbelievable um our buddy went for a little walk in the bush there and he said he's seen tons of tracks tons of beds in there so i think um, one thing that did happen was their food source shifted heavy from feeding on the fields to browsing in the hills there, which was mm-hmm. an easier food source for them, right? So, Yeah, like even where we were hunting, I found that after that snowfall, they didn't really shut down, but the deer feeding in the field shut down for um, maybe a day and a half. But it was almost like they figured out the trail system, like their own little trails, and they found their ways to the bush because there's, or sorry, found their ways to the fields to go feed. Because after I came, because I had to go back to work and I came back, the fields we're hunting were absolutely littered in tracks, you know, even like alongside the fields and in, in the, just inside the bush, there's beds everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. They, they, once they found that food source again, kind of thing, it's almost, and found an easy way to get there. Like, <clears throat> for instance, let's say like the bush line is like, let's say 600 yards. If you walked from one side of the bush line and walked all the way around all these nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. So before the snowfall, they'd come out of anywhere in there. So, was, you know, you were kind of setting up to see where they're coming out and then where they're kind of conjugate after that snowfall is like, they're using like four trails. So you were getting like deer coming down these same trails all the time because of all the snow. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a, kind of a benefit, but it definitely shut down for about a day, day and a half before they started coming back to those fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, strange. I guess I, I'm sure it was kind of the same situation. I'm sure there was there's more action back in the field there over the week's time or whatever. But um, yeah, it was a crazy amount of snow. Um, uh, and then the the crappy part is though now it kind of got warm a little bit, and uh, my buddy went back up there for the last weekend, and he said there's a bit of a crust on top there now, which makes it super hard for one like a person to walk through but uh also a little bit concerning for deer especially if their predators can kind of cruise along on top of that snow you know so oh yeah absolutely well i mean if it like if the deer aren't gonna get killed because of the crust on the snow i just about got killed because the crust in the snow because <laughs> my fat ass was falling through everywhere I'm, we got to this one blind one morning i was hunting with one of my cousins so we sat together the one morning and we got to the blind and we were both huffing and puffing and he looked and he's like are you gonna be okay and i said i don't know man and he just started laughing he's like i don't know either because <laughs> we were both like just it, it i mean it wasn't that far a walk like maybe half a mile but it was half a mile through the snow like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't knee deep but 
you know what I mean? When you're breaking through and it's going up past, you know, your shin bone, like halfway up your shin. Yeah. Like it's tough walking. That's it's sure. it's almost like uh, a double step when, when you're, when you get that crust on top and then, cause you, you get that pressure on top, your muscles engage and it's almost like you're almost off the ground to take the next step and then you break through and you got to take another step and it's like, yeah, oh shit, here we go. And so then now there's snow on the ground and, uh, your, your dad got an awesome deer. How did that all work out with all that snow and getting him out there? I know, uh, I'm not saying he's in bad shape by any means, but, uh, you know, a guy that's getting up in age, it must be a little bit difficult. How'd that all work out? Yeah. What a trooper, man. What a trooper. He, uh, so I had planned on going out with him cause I hadn't been hunting out with, with him yet this, well, we went out once we went out for a chicken hunt with the boys for his birthday, but, um, this was in rifle season after the snow. I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's get out there, dad. And, uh, we'll just make a day of it. And whatever happens, happens, you know, I know he's, he's 68 and he's not exactly like, uh, too athletic anymore, but still gets around fine. But, you know, I, I was concerned about the depth of the snow and stuff for him to get around. But, um, and we, so we were going to this, the spot that we normally hunt in the inner lake and uh we got to cut cut a couple trees to get in there get to the spot it's a great day to be in the bush man like nice and kind of sunny out not much wind and uh decent temps but the snow is deep but there's there's kind of like there's not really any trails or anything in the spot that are blazed open so you're still like you said walking through a foot of snow Anyways, he's going one way up this trail. I'm going the other way. And uh, it's a cut line. And I'm kind of turning around. I look back at him every once in a while. And I look. And he's, like, taking breaks and looking back at me. So everyone, we're both kind of taking it easy going down getting to our spots. And then I turn around. And I'm watching him. And then I see this deer walk out of the bush. And I'm, like, I'm like a solid kilometer away from him. So I'm, like, I get pumped up. I see him crouch down. And I'm, like, oh, man. And the deer's just standing there, just like perfect for him. And then I see the deer moving, and then I see the deer do a nosedive into the snow, and then I hear the shot because that's how delayed it was. And then I see the deer going through the bush. So now I'm freaking out. I'm like, that looked like a buck, but I was far enough away that I couldn't see. So I was like, I gotta get over there. So I start just hauling ass towards dad. And uh, he's kind of moseying his way up there. And, uh, we, we get up to the spot that he, he shot the deer at clear tracks, right? The deer's there. You see the, the, the nose dive and, uh, there's just a bit of hair on the ground. And I was like, oh man, I was like, this could be good. Could be bad. Could go other way. I don't know. Lots of snow. And the deer literally ran into like the thickest part of the willows in the bush. So I was like, shit, here we go. So I'm starting to strip off layers, getting ready to do a big ass haul through the bush, drop my pack, grab my gun, uh, got my cell phone with iHunter out, ready to roll kind of thing. And I'm looking and I'm like, all right, looking on the iHunter, it's not too far to another trail. Um, this kind of peters out into some open country and uh, it shouldn't be that bad. I'm, I'm talking myself into it, you know. Anyways, I start following this this deer trail, and the the deer is dead, like twenty yards into the bush, just stone cold dead. And uh, what had happened is he shot him 
through the front shoulder, heart shot, but the bullet didn't come out the other side. So there's no like express blood out that side. Nothing was pumping out, but that deer was deader than a doornail man when I got up there. And I was just, I was so pumped, so pumped because he hadn't shot a deer in like eight years. And if you've seen the Instagram story, it's like dad's always been the guy that like, well, why don't you go sit over there? You'll probably see something and you're a better shot than me these days kind of thing, you know? And he's just like, he's just kind of happy to be cruising around, petering around and, and doing his thing. And, and I, I kind of like seen how things went with him and his dad, my grandpa, um, when grandpa was getting older, my dad was like, man, I really want to get grandpa out for another hunt. I really want to get him out for another hunt to get a deer. And I'm at that point now where I'm like, I don't know how many more hunts I'm going to have left with my dad. You know, it could be this year. It could be 10 more years. I don't know. But I want him to have some awesome experiences. And I want him to get some freaking deer too. And when, when I'm still able to be with him kind of thing. So I was super jacked that I was able to be there with him for that experience. And uh, he was just like, his first words out of his mouth were like, wow, I got lucky. I think this is the biggest year I've ever got. So oh, no, it's eh? pretty special. What a mem- yeah, what a memory, man. And like that deer is super, super cool looking. Like good, like congratulations to your dad. Like that's an awesome deer to get. And not only that, like I'm sure both of you guys, uh, that deer could have been, you know, a spike or a doe or you know, a one ninety buck and the feelings probably would have been pretty pretty much the same. Yeah. Um the cool thing too is like uh he wanted to pull that deer out by himself. Yeah. Yeah. So so I dragged the deer out of the bush and, and we got it on the trail and uh he had the sleigh with him, so he loaded up loaded up in the sleigh and, and uh I was like, Well I'll help you drag it back to the truck and he's like, No, you can just go hunt and I'll drag it back. Don't worry about it. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you don't want to help holding this thing back. So he hauled her back. I, I took off and I went down uh, to where I wanted to hunt. And I ended up missing a buck down there, which is uh, a stupid story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he hauled her back. He didn't want any help. I couldn't believe it. And uh, that's just kind of his attitude. You know, he's always just been hauling deer out of the bush by himself his entire life. So, but, um, so yeah, so I take off hunting. I set up in the one of the spots that we normally set up in and uh it's a busy day for deer man like there's there's does crossing all over and kind of just out of range or whatever and some kind of jockeying around trying to find the best spot trying to you know set myself up if these does are hot does buck would be crossing pretty close so I get to a spot there and it's gotten so warm out that the snow is now melting like a little bit so my rifle is like covered in snow i ended up like walking through the bush a bit getting some snow on my scope and i i, I kind of do like a preliminary check of the scope and i'm like oh man this is a mess my like my scope literally looks like i was hanging out with spongebob it was so it like that's how much water was on there so i'm trying to dry the dry my scope off now with like my sleeve and i'm like this isn't working so i get my buff off and i'm getting it with my buff a little bit and I'm like okay this is working a little better and then boom there's this buck on the trail and he's just hot to trot like he's heading right across full steam on the trail and I'm like shit so I get to the spot I perch up on my knee and my scope is still like looks like I'm underneath water shooting at this thing <laughs> and I and I brush a shot 
deer spins around 180, runs away, and I'm just like, that deer does not look hit whatsoever. But I'll go check it out. So went up to his trail tracks. He ran for about 20 yards into the bush and then just started walking and walked through some, some thick shit. And uh, yeah, I tried following him for about 200 yards and there's just not a drop of blood, not a hair, not a stumble, nothing, not a bed, not a stop. And I, I literally followed him for as long as I could before he hit like this network of trails and just disappeared and uh we were back there um the following week and there was no sign of birds or nothing in the area so um clean mess clean mess which is which is good unfortunate but uh but uh it kind of brings me back around to like when you're talking about just like how you normally like have the confidence to to put a shot down range that you know you're going to hit something and, and it's like the last couple of years i've had a couple misses where i'm like rush to shots and now i'm in this spot where i'm missing bucks and i'm like what are you doing chase and and lot i think lots of it too has to do with the lack of shooting that i have been doing because this year i didn't i haven't done much at all besides firing off a couple of rounds to make sure i zeroed for moose camp but besides that that was it so um I really want to do some more shooting this winter or whatever, whether it's 22s or whatever it is to just uh, help me out a bit. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we actually had that exact same conversation uh, after I missed my deer. And, you know, we start talking about, yeah, like we get the gun guns out or whatever. And we put it on, on the bench and, you know, shoot off a picnic table or whatever. And Yeah. yeah, you can shoot what you want to shoot off there. But when you get into like a real life situation, if you got a free hand or if you got to get on one knee or you got to get on both knees or lean up against a tree or do whatever, like there's so many situations. And we talk about that all the time too in archery hunting. But I, I do believe that's the same when it comes to gun shooting. And, you know, even like I, I don't ever notice it, but I know like some guys, they, they talk about, you know, knowing that the recoil is going to kick good. Like, so they're almost just about flinching, you know, like when mm-hmm. they're, when they're practicing and stuff too, like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, there's still a lot of, um, um, there's a lot of things that can still happen, even though you are dialed in. Yeah. You them. like the, the dry fire practice where you practice without a shell in to get rid of your flinch and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, but. when, after, after I missed that buck, I was like, all right, that's like, that's it, man. Like quit messing around here. Like take your time and just set up for the shot or whatever. And so every, every spot that I set up in and like every time after I, I either left the truck or when I went to move, I always did like, just like a little bit of not dry fire training, but like, I just, I shouldered the gun a couple of times. I, I went through the breathing and I, and I just like kind of focus on the crosshairs and okay, if this knot on this tree was a deer, this is what I do. Breathe, focus, line it up. Good. And I just went through that a couple of times or like, like, like you said, leaning on a tree when I got to my spot that I was going to post up in and, uh, you know, anchor, where am I going to anchor and stuff like that. So I, not to say that I really needed a bunch of help knocking down a spiker, but, um, I feel like if I do more of that, it'll help me more throughout the season as well. Well, I got one cool thing to share too, because, uh, me and Tristan did a, a push this year, push some bush. I pushed them for him after I shot my spiker and, uh, 
iHunter, you can share your location, your like live location on there with another person who has a iHunter app. So you want to talk about a safety advantage. Like generally you, you put yourself in a, in a safe spot for, for when you're pushing bush anyways. And I was hooting and hollering like crazy when I was going through the bush to the woods. But the added safety advantage there is like he can literally watch where I am as I travel through the bush. And so he knows exactly, you know, the safe zones pretty much where, where, what's safe, what's not safe and all that. So, um, we've been using iHunter for years, man. And it seems to be this year, even more people are talking about it here in Manitoba. I know you you and I just had a conversation about it, about how many people we've been talking to about it. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like every week I have a conversation with somebody new about the iHunter app that hasn't used it before and they they're it's, it's almost like their eyes light up and then they literally ask me questions for the entire week or like two weeks about how do I do this how do I do that what's this for what's that for and it's and I'm I'm always super happy to answer the questions and they're always so pumped up to to find this tool that they can use that that helps them out so much in the field um my cousin is prime example hasn't really hunted hard for quite a long time is getting back into hunting and he's going into areas that he's not really familiar with buys the iHunter app buys the landowner maps he knows exactly where he is exactly the the land that is public land that he can hunt on and he had he has now no issue you know wondering where where am I you know and I showed him showed him how to how to download and cache those maps so when he's out of cell service that he still has the ability to track where he's at which is super cool so he was pumped about that man let me tell you super pumped and that's a huge huge advantage of this app and it, it's the, the accessibility it creates for for new hunters or hunters that just want to check out a new area is just unbelievable so um like i said it's still one of my favorite tools to have with me and we're still learning new ways to to utilize it and it's it's uh just an amazing piece of equipment so if if you're interested in trying out the app head over to uh you can find it in the app store or head over to ihunter.com or if you want to get 30 percent off of your public land subscription you can head over to web.ihunterapp.com type in the promo code panoramic 30 that'll get you 30 off the the public land subscription and then uh, while you're there also check out their landowner maps as well they're available for purchase and uh yeah there's a few different levels you can kind of get into so pretty awesome system yeah iHunter has been uh, super useful on my end as well uh, i'm not going to repeat everything you say because you said a lot of stuff you took the words right out of my mouth and uh but yeah, I hunter helped out a lot. And like same when me and you went hunting together this year, um, we hunted that same property again, but we referred to the eye hunter and, uh, not only, I think we talked about it in the other podcast episode, but not only to share where the tree stands were, it was like, well, what time should we get up in the morning? What time can we start hunting? Mm-hmm. Just pull up that app. It shows exactly where you are. And because in Manitoba, it actually differs like a few minutes from the east side to the west side of the province yeah there's actually different uh, end end and start times to hunting so yeah yeah definitely another cool thing that that happened too uh is after i shot my deer and tristan was coming over to help and he was like well where are you man 
and I just did that same live location with him. So he has no trouble finding where you're at. You know, he just fires up his app and you're right there. Yeah, it's a super handy tool. That's for sure. Um, so other than that, did what did uh, how did Tristan make out? I will let him tell his story. I don't want to. Well, I, I don't want to yeah, steal can, his thunder. <laughs> <laughs> we can let him tell his story, but did he did he end up getting a deer this year? He did. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Awesome. And what about Carly? She did not. She had all kinds of trouble in the blind this year. Yeah, I'd like to get her on because by the sounds <laughs> of it, she was blaming Tristan for things, blaming oh, yeah. us. It was a disaster <laughs> out there. I feel bad because she only gets out for uh, for a couple days a year, and she had some great opportunities, and um, she had a few malfunctions that set her back, yeah. which sucked. But what about the quality of bucks that were going down around the province this year? I was just going to fucking say that. That is insane. You just read my mind. Um, but that, but uh, before we get to there, what what was your like boots on the ground perspective when it came to deer, deer populations in your area that you're hunting? Were they high? Were they normal? Were they like average? Were they low? Like what, what did, what would you say? Um, besides the, the experience in the duck mountains there personally, I mean, judging by what the other guys were saying before we got there, deer populations were i mean the activity was through the roof and and uh what we witnessed uh, in the inner lake it was same kind of thing that the deer the areas we were hunting the deer tracks there were just it was unbelievable it was like cattle trails almost everywhere you went that 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 had good deer activity in them so it was uh i don't know it was pretty awesome to see and and i i think I feel like it's just a just a great deer year. It's good winter for them last year, and I think it it really re- reflected that. You know, we've had a few good years the last few years here for deer populations. What about on your end? Yeah, like on on our end, like I mean, when you're sitting out in a field and you can count or you lose count at thirty of does and calves coming out like early in the night, you know that there's a lot of deer around. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the like the when it comes to the buck situations i think around my area there was a lot of good bucks taken like four point like four by fours five by fives i didn't see a ton of huge bucks taken but i i if you were to ask if you were to ask me my opinion it was because there's so many good young bucks around mm-hmm. that we're so used to like in the last few years is like oh there's a decent buck and that's the only decent buck you'd see all year so you'd like you know what i mean shoot it yeah, yeah. now it was like it was almost like you could sit and wait and i let a lot of young like 120 130 deer walk this year waiting for a bigger one um but yeah a lot of a lot of nice bucks around the, and the other thing that i want to point out too and i think we talked about it earlier this year is like the drought situation that happened in manitoba does that have anything to do with the you know the bigger horn growth like where where some of those deer mm-hmm. you know growing some nice sets of sets of antlers on their heads because of that drought like i don't know yeah but i'd definitely like to ask some some more people that question yeah it's, it seems to be the the answer that you know there there is more nutritional value in the in the in the small amount of grass that they get because there's less less water in that right but um it's is just a spectacular year to watch these monsters just inundate the the hunting forums and it was like it was almost like every buck on there was just a bruiser, you know. And it, it's not like, you know, 
a lot of the big bucks always come out of the southwest corner of Manitoba, but it was like a province-wide thing where guys were getting big bucks all over the place. And uh, it kind of makes me feel shitty because, uh, you know, I've got a spiker sitting on my shop bench right now. But, yeah, but uh, that spiker probably tastes a lot better than that uh, six by six. I can tell you that. Probably for yeah, free. yeah. But uh, I mean, Dad got a good one, and uh, yeah, it's always next year. It's always next year. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you um, that I may be. We do a little like um, between me and my dad and a couple other dudes around home. There's four of us. We all throw in a, a bottle of, let's say, water. Yeah. And whoever gets the, the nicest buck gets all the bottles of water, about a 40 ounce of water. So I think I might win this year. Um, I'm just going to wait wait till head night and and uh, measure them up. But I think I might be the front runner. So oh boy. I might have, might have a few free bottles of water. Could, could be a, a very jolly Christmas for you. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? In all honesty, though, um, I know there's a lot of talk on the internet, on Facebook, Instagram and stuff where, you know, people may not get the love of their you know spiker or their four point compared to some you know monarch from boys of Ain. yeah yeah deer, you know what i mean but like anybody that's listening to this podcast show the love to those people that are still shooting those deer i mean i i've shot a lot of small deer i still shoot small deer and i'm just as happy you know like i'm super pumped and yeah. when people congratulate me or just say good job or whatever that makes me feel good and you just never know, like maybe someone just needs that, that, um, you know, pat on the back this week or whatever that oh, day. Yeah. So there's lots, always lo- send the love to everyone. Lots of people don't roll out and start shooting monster bucks in their first go around either. I know growing up, we shot lots of deer just to fill the freezer, man. And, and to be yeah. honest with you, I would be so much more devastated if I hadn't gotten any meat in the freezer, then I feel as if like I didn't get a big buck. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I tell you what, my dad got probably, oh, man, I bet you at least 30 pounds of meat more off his buck than I did off that little spiker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at I least. can imagine, eh? Yeah. What was his condition? Like, was he was he rotten hard? Like, I know one buck I seen this year, um, our neighbor Aaron shot it, and it was like, beat the fuck up and it was red like that it was just and there's not an ounce of fat on it like it was i f- I feel bad for that buck i just wanted to like you know it's too bad he couldn't have a spa day and you know go lay in the hot tub <laughs> and eat a bunch of food for a few days yeah. because he looked like he was a hurting unit oh man i uh I, I was just like i gave the buck a little like go over when i was when we we're field dressing him there and he didn't feel like he had a lot on him and uh not a lot of fat on them when we skinned them out either but the the meat situation was very good on them obviously so um a little bit tougher we did fry some up and he was a little bit tougher but um also found like a spot on him where he looked like he took an antler into his leg but because it was like a a puncture wound in his muscle and i don't know it didn't look like there was anything through the skin but there was definitely like a hole and it looked looked like a just some like damaged meat in the one spot. So um, I don't know if he was, you know, gone to a scrap and, and got jammed with antler or a stick or something or what it was, but that could have, you know, contributed to the, to the meat being a little tougher. Cause I've, I've had big bucks in the past that haven't had tough meat like that before, but this guy was yeah. a little bit tougher, still edible. We had some steaks off him and, and I ate, him, ate it for like 
three days in a row kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, a couple more cool stories I'm going to tell you um, for this roundup, for this wound up. Um, my, like one of our neighbors, the property that we hunt on by Nipah there, he, his, so his son shot a deer and they had it on camera for like, they say like four or five years. Like this is a hunting story, but like very legit hunting story. They've had this, this buck on camera for four or five years. It's got messed up horn. that was like growing out like by its eye. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was an old deer. Like, I don't know how old it'd be, but anyways, um, yeah. So the neighbor, they came out and the neighbor ended up shooting it because it, it was just, he said it looked big. Like it was a big deer. Well, you should see the size of this fucking thing, man. It is like, I, I swear to God, like from the pictures that I could tell, like the hams on it were two to three size bigger than like a regular buck. My, my Jeez. old man went over to the neighbors to go check it out. Cause they phoned him. and was like, you got to come check out this deer. And my dad said like those hams on the thing were like elk, like a <laughs> cow elk. Like he said, it was huge. It was a, just a massive deer. It'd be cool to find out what it weighed. But um, I thought it was kind of a cool story because they, they've been watching this deer for years and it's been, and it's an old deer and they took it out of the, took it out of the herd, messed up horns and everything else. But it was massive, man. I'm yeah. going to see if I can get some pictures and, and post about it because you don't see that too often, you know? No kidding. I almost wonder if it was a, a cross with uh with the mule deer, because I know the mule deer are a little bit bigger than, than the white tail. Yeah. Who knows? It, it, it looks like, it looks, ident- like it could be, but it, like, it looks like a hundred percent of white tail. Like there's no question. It's just, it was yeah. a huge, huge deer. Um, probably had a lot of a uh, lot of hours in the bush roaming around so yeah they, they took it out they took it out but i wonder how that's gonna eat the other thing i was gonna mention to you too is um um after oh this this is a cool story i gotta tell you this one more story uh sorry but uh on the first night of my holidays the neighbor's kid um addison she she shot her first deer no way um, tw- yeah 12 years old um, a nice healthy doe came out. She took a shot and I'm going to tell this story the way I remember it. Uh, it was quite a, you know, a few weeks ago now, but, um, Aaron phones us and tells us what happened, what happens. And we're like, okay, so dad and I loaded up in the truck and we drove over there to give him a hand. So we get there and we're like in Addison's, you know, smiling, she just pumped up and I'm just like super, super pumped for, her. you know, my dad's super proud of her. My dad takes her out hunting all the time. So she, like before she got her hunter safety, mm-hmm. like just to take her out. Now she finally gets to like hunt with her dad. So she's super pumped even before. But anyways, I think my dad was like, so did you make a good shot? And I looked at Aaron, which is her dad. And he was kind of like, like he didn't really know, you know, like, uh, uh, like, I don't know. But Aaron was super pumped, right? And Addison's like, yeah, I think so. I think so. So anyways, we go to the field to where she shot and um, walked, I don't know, 50 yards. And she was laying there dead. No way. And it was just like super happy for her. You know, like she made the perfect shot. You know, she took her time. She did everything perfect. And, you know, now she's got, like, a cool story to tell, right? Yeah. And only that, like, kind of as, like, a little deer hunting group in, where we live, like, it's super cool to have another, you know, person joining the group, like, wants to be there, wants to learn how to skin, you know. And then when we're done, I cut the heart out and I fried it up for her and we, I used some, like, hot mustard and um, some ginger and stuff in the pan and cooked it up and ate it with crackers and she's like absolutely in love with it so i'm like yes like as long as you like the meat you'll always come back you know yeah so so it's super it was a super good time in in uh, our neck of the woods that's for sure oh man i did a little uh little heart fry up with dad's buck there um 
he just shot the top off it so i like cut the top off and then um before tristan and i went out for our second hunt um i had fried it up with some catch and cook in a pan and uh i ate half of it the night previous but then the the i made some like egg sandwiches or are like our our kind of ritual for the morning feed when we go out and for a hunt so i made some like crazy egg sandwiches and then i i put a couple pieces of fried heart on them and some like fried onions and jalapenos and some kick-ass sandwich man i'll tell you that i'm doing that again <laughs> even when it's frozen yeah well tristan waits to eat his he's he's not a big breakfast guy oh yeah i ate mine like halfway down to our hunting spot so it's like when I make my lunch to go to work and I finish my lunch at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I starve until supper time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to order a large pizza at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. A large pizza. But other than that, all in all, deer hunting for you, um, you got everything done that you wanted to get done or what? I think so. I had, uh, at the start of the season, I had a real fear that I wasn't going to get out enough and I was going to be too busy with life to be able to uh, really enjoy the entire fall. So, um, I know this is the whitetail roundup, but like I, I didn't get out for any waterfowl hunts this year, which is, I usually get out for a couple at least, but, um, we moved. So I'm a, I'm a little bit closer to my whitetail hunting spots now. So I got out more for whitetail, which I'm not disappointed about. Um, I certainly like sitting sitting out there with the bow and I got the kids out lots. Um, and it turns out, I mean, we did get out quite a bit with, uh, with the moose hunt and the deer hunts and stuff like that. So, um, satisfied with the amount that I was able to get out in the field is what I'll say. Um, hoping for a bigger buck for next year. Yeah. Hopefully. But yeah, we're still doing all right. And I mean, for duck hunting and goose hunting or waterfall, I mean, it was a pretty lame year. Um, Owen Lockhart down there south, you know, Glenborough, Glenborough area, and even south he hunts in that area. He done very well. I'd seen lots of good pictures of uh, them waterfall hunting. Ooh, and he was got a lot of smoking yeah, them green heads into the into November. Yeah, so that's super cool. And but like up by Nipwa and uh, even by Brandon and stuff like I, that was a hard time finding birds. I think I went on one hunt and and that was it. I mean. Again, I was gone for quite a bit of it, but it was still a pretty sad year for waterfall. Yeah, low water year all around too, so it, it might be tough on the on the duck population this year for for uh, recruitment stuff. Yeah, before we take off here too, the other question, or not really a question, but kind of a statement that I wanted to make about the population of deer when we are talking about it. I kind of forgot about it and I want to circle back, but when you get that... Um, you know, the first part of the seasons when you're seeing lots of deer and then all of a sudden you get like a foot or two feet of snow in some spots. And then you're thinking, oh my God, we finally have a good deer population in this winter now can just totally devastate it. Mm -hmm. Like, did that ever cross your mind? Like, no, oh, yeah, I know I was, I was just thinking like, oh God, what's going to happen now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not so much for like a foot of snow, but like the two feet of snow can be really tough, especially if it freezes over and and uh is is tough for travel and tough for feed for those deer i know i was talking to one fella about it and and he kind of mentioned he's like well they always get lots of snow up in the ducks kind of thing and, and i'm like yeah that's true but normally you know it's not the, one the, shot yeah and the big dump comes later in the year and you know it, it's a it's a 
at least they have a bit of a recovery period after the rut and stuff to to still have some good forage, some good food, some easy traveling, and now it's going to be a little bit tougher for them. So a bit of a concern, but uh, we'll see see how she rolls out. I hope yeah. it's good. Um, what about you? Um, what about me? I don't know. I can't remember feel? what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my other thing I was going to mention too, what about coyotes? You see many of them around? I didn't see any, and to be honest with you, a lot of nights. I don't know if this is like happens everywhere, but my thought is once those rifles start blasting off in rifle season, the coyotes kind of shut up at night mm-hmm. in the mornings. I don't know if that's very true at all, but I didn't hear any for the last three weeks hunting season. I think one night I might've heard a few, but right. And normally in archery and uh muzzleloader season there, you hear them barking all over the place. But yeah, I seen one when I was hunting with you. And then, uh, when we were archery hunting our area, they, they screwed up a couple of our hunts because they were pretty much right in the bush that, that we were, anticipating the the deer to be in and then when there's like eight coyotes sitting in the woods there i don't think there's many deer hanging around so yeah kind of screwed us up there a couple times so might have to do a little predator management this winter here we'll see what happens um yeah yeah, hopefully they don't do too much of a licking but um my last question for you what uh what are you changing for next year anything are you just hoping Um, yeah i mean i could i could probably talk on a whole nother podcast episode on things i'd like to change um, one thing that I really want to get into is finding a spot in the middle of the bush. Like I do like, you know, a lot of like agricultural, like bush to ag land trend, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in exactly that transition area it. there. Yeah, yeah. The transition areas. I'd almost like to get into a spot where I can go into the bush and sit all day. Like I spent a lot of time this year, you know, I'd go in like, to be very honest with you, I'd go and sit first thing in the morning till about nine o'clock. I'd walk in have a bite to eat and be out there again by 11 o'clock, yeah. 12 o'clock sometimes. And then I'd sit right till dark, but I'm like, I want to find a spot, a comfortable spot where deer moving throughout the day. And I know of quite a few of them, but I want to find a good spot and sit there basically from, from start to finish, yeah. pack a lunch. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I mean, it, it could be really good or it could be a long sit, but I, I just have it in my mind that you just got to be out there more. And, it, and I, you know, it, it proves every year, like you, you take off, um, early from the stand and you have to say run to town or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you, you know, you start driving by the field, you're hunting and you look out there. Oh my God, there's a buck out there at 11 o'clock this morning. Yeah. Like, what does he do? You know what I mean? Like once they start moving, they start moving. Yeah. So I'd change that. And then the other thing that I would change too, um, is just like, um, I don't know, I, I guess not being so lazy, like, at night, like for night hunt, sometimes I'll, like I said, I'll take my sled to a certain spot and I'll park and then walk to my blind. But it's like, in, in reality, I should probably be walking from a lot further away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, this less traffic in that area and less pressure in that area would probably benefit us. So I'd like to like make, maybe work on a few of those things. But other than that, like all in all, it was a good year. I, I was happy with, uh, like I said, got to experience a, a first jumper kill with with our neighbor you know i got to hunt with some family my you know brother-in-law my dad my cousins and and yeah all in all you with you it was a great year so i can't change too many things but a few things what about you yeah um i'd like to find like uh same thing a couple spots back in the bush for more so for early season hunting um either because the the one spot that i put a stand up this year is the same spot i was pretty much in last year but 
I don't really set up in there until it's like the start of November, end of October kind of thing. And and I'd like to honestly have something to sit back in there earlier in the season. So either put a stand up there earlier or just find a different spot that I can get back in the woods and sit back in and uh, and hunt back in there. And kind of the same thing, just off the beaten path. But um, that's my one change. And then obviously do some shooting. And then, but but all in all, same thing. Had a good season. Got uh, some good family hunts in. Got some good time with the boys in the blind. They're pumped. Got some good hunts in with them. Um, seen two different sets of bucks fighting this year, which I've never seen before in my life. They weren't anything big, but it was still super cool to see. Cool. And uh, I think one of my one of my favorite deer moments this year was when I was actually hunting at your place, and I seen there was a good buck about uh, 200 yards away. I could see him just in this nice little opening. The sun was glistening through just nice, and he was working a scrape and rubbing the shit out of some willows for about five minutes. And I just washed oh, yeah. him through my binos, and it was just it was just an awesome uh, kind of event to witness. And then it was just like heavy deer traffic through there for the rest of the evening. Just just out of range for me kind of thing, you know, with, with my bow. It's like, oh, yeah. if I would have been set up over there, it would have been perfect. But but it was super cool to, to see that and experience it. So that's something I'll remember for a long time. Yeah, well, that spot where you're sitting, that's like exactly where I want to put that, like a ground blind back in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quentin sat in that same stand. Um I can't remember what exact day it was. It doesn't really matter. But he says that in like behind that stand through that bush, he says he figures he's seen a hundred different deer. Holy shit. Yeah. And he said all like from the minute he sat down there till the minute it got too dark to see, he said it's just constant deer going through there. Wow. And like, yeah. So it's a it's a really cool spot back there. It's just it's it's just a I don't know. We got to do a little bit more recon back there. Cause yeah. that's the other thing too, is like when you have like a super wet year, a lot of that area, they wouldn't travel because it'd be like super, yeah. like it's like a big slough back there. Yeah. Right. So when it was super dry, I think they had a lot more area to kind of cruise around in. And yeah. Um, well, yeah. I was, it, I was it, almost thinking too, when looking at it, I was like, man, how would you even get back there? Like you'd have to cut a new trail in there and like, you'd have to yeah. definitely do some thinking to get, get in there without, without wrecking the spot. Well, that's just it. And and that's the thing. Like, and I take a lot of uh, the stuff my old man has to say and some, some of the stuff I, I disagree, but you know, when he says, no, you got to stay out of there. Like if, if you put the pressure on them, they're going to get out of there. And I, I'll take that. I'll take his word for that. He, he probably knows a lot more than I do, but I'd still like to try to figure out a way, even just to get into that bush 20 yards, you know, mm-hmm. a good spot and, and just be able to watch. So yeah, definitely. Right on. Well, that's um, getting to the, end of the conversation of the whitetail uh roundup i got one more question for chase before we go mm-hmm. um, if you could buy your next tool to hunt a whitetail what would you be buying Ooh, to hunt whitetail i think we asked you this question in the very first episode it's 103 or 102 episodes later so 103 episodes later what would you is there anything that you'd change i'm gonna go two things here and I, I don't know which way I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards like, uh, a, a, uh, uh, shit. I can't think of the word right now. Um, like the harness hunting, right. Tree saddle, tree saddle system. Um, just to give me the, the option to like, just 
run audibles pretty much and just be like, all right, I want to hunt over here today or I want to go into this bush and just easily set up and try hunt and easily move out of there instead of having to screw in pegs and hang a stand and all this. And, you know, I can just hop in for half a day, go over somewhere new and check it out and see if it's worth checking out more kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing would just be like a, a heavy arrow setup I'd like to get into eventually here. But uh, time and money will be the will be the predicator of when that happens. And what about weapon? If you could change, would you change anything that you you're already using, or would you add some? I would like a new rifle, not necessarily a new cartridge, but my rifle is just. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I just want an upgrade. It shoots fine. She's great, but the way I have my bullets loaded right now kind of sucks. It's just a single shot because uh, I, I loaded my bullets so that they stick out enough to come in contact with the lands on my on my rifling, oh, yeah. which is kind of like a recommended thing to do with the Barnes bullets and, and all that. So they don't fit in my clip or in my floor plate. And the thing has a floor plate, which I hate. I do not like floor plates at all, yeah. I found out. Um, so I would like to get something with a clip in it and uh yeah i don't know what i get in tk or something or uh browning i don't know what about you well there's i don't think there's not much i'd change like when i bought that when i got that crossbow from heights i was really i was almost like kind of felt like i was cheating in a way although i was using it in muzzleloader season like i was following all the rules but it was almost like because normally i archery hunt as long as I can, right? Yeah. So then when I put my bow back in this case and grabbed this crossbow out, I was just like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Like, like did you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But then I shot that doe and I'm like, man, that was super cool. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, that I think that I'd probably do a lot more crossbow hunting, but I just gotta find that that perfect medium and make sure I get my archery fit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Fell, and then get my crossbow. But yeah. And and that's the thing too, Chase is like that like I like that blind I was sitting at. I could have shot my bucks with my crossbow out of it. I didn't even need a rifle this year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, who knows? Maybe maybe what I can do to maybe change things up is is archery hunt for as long as I can, and then get that crossbow smoking at like a hundred yards, and I can I can be doing that too. Yeah. Like there's not from where I'm hunting. There's not too many long shots to be honest. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be cool. But man, this was super fun. It was good to catch up. It seems like we haven't talked for quite a while because of deer hunting season. And to anybody that's listening to our podcast, I will apologize. We didn't get our third episode out in November, but it was hunting season. Like what, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Yeah. It got real busy. And, uh, the, the funny thing is, is like, we usually chat daily and, uh, especially like between you and I and in the company and, and this hunting season, it felt like it was just like, all right, everybody's hunting or working or doing something and let's just pound pound the woods as hard as we can and uh we'll reconvene when hunting season is over yeah (laughs) we'll get back to business as usual so so uh yeah apologies there and uh thanks everybody for hanging out with us thank you for all the support that's been coming through the store lately it's unbelievable and uh i hope everyone had an awesome awesome hunting season out there any final thoughts buddy yeah just my final thoughts i'm just gonna echo you thank you to everyone that's been listening um apologize like i said for not having that episode out 
if you can do us a huge favor though give us a rating on itunes spotify podbean whatever you listen to us on and leave or leave a comment or even take the link and share it with a friend via text i mean everybody that listens or, or you know takes the time to share or you know check our shit out on social media helps us out a long way so thank you to everyone for doing what you do that's right and till next time get those augers fired up get those reels greased and keep your leatherman sharp 